Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. Well, I have something on my heart today and and um, I just, I've really asked the Lord many times uh, since yesterday to really help me to get out what's in my heart. And uh, that don't always happen. Every speaker can tell you that. Sometimes you feel like you go home and left a few things unsaid. But um, I just want the Lord to, to touch us today. And so if you have your Bibles, and will turn with me to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, and I'm going to read verse 15. But if you'll leave your Bible open to the fourth chapter of Numbers, um, uh, we'll be referring to there, not necessarily reading some anymore scriptures there formally but I will be referring back there the book of numbers chapter 4 and verse 15 and I'll just warn you we're just kind of jumping in into right in the middle of a story and uh, so that's why I'll go back and and talk about this but our text the Bible says and when Aaron and his sons Aaron was the high priest of course and so when Aaron and his sons have made an end of covering the sanctuary and all of the vessels of the sanctuary as the camp is to set forward after that, the Bible says the sons of Korah shall come to bear it, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. These things are the burden of the sons of Korah, the burden of the sons of Korah, uh, the burden of the sons of Koath in the tabernacle of the congregation. These things are the burden of the sons of Koath in the tabernacle of the congregation. So I want to, with the Lord to help me, I want to preach this morning from this subject, unknown burdens, unknown burdens. And so what we're talking about here is, of course, the, the tabernacle. And we know that when it came time that the Spirit of the Lord moved by cloud and day or fire by night, that the tabernacle had to be packed and moved and the camp of Israel moved. And so our scripture text is just one slice of that process that when it is time that Aaron, the high priest, and his sons, they're going to go in and cover those things. And, uh, and then it is going to be up to Kohath. They're going to come. Their responsibility is to bear it. Now, I, I understand that just last Sunday, the first Sunday of this year that I talked about, they that bear the ark, and it just seems like we're right here again, at least in this same theme but just stay with me, amen. I want to talk about unknown burdens. The Kohathites 
were those that camped to, to the south side of the tabernacle when it was set. And so during the wilderness journey, the Kohathites carried, it was their responsibility to carry all of the furniture uh, that was inside the sanctuary. And so if, if we were to take the time today to read the fourth chapter of Exodus, verses 1 through 20, it would explain this process in great detail. But for the sake of time, I just want to summarize these verses as best I can. So when the camp was about to move, Aaron and his sons would enter into this holy place. They would take down the veil and they would use that veil to cover the Ark of the Covenant. And then they would wrap a protective covering of skins and then there would be a cloth or a garment of blue. They then would put the wooden staves into the rings of the ark. And that's what I was preaching about last Sunday. And then those staves were so that the men could carry the ark. And so once the ark was safely covered, then they would cover all of the other pieces of the furniture in a similar fashion. So you had the table of showbread and the lampstand and the golden altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering. And all of these pieces of furniture would be wrapped in the same fashion that the Ark of the Covenant. And then, of course, there were vessels that were used, instruments, tools, uh, uh, ladles and things of that nature. And so the vessels and the implements that pertained to each one of these pieces of furniture also had to be packed. So this was a, a very strategic plan. They didn't just throw everything in a, in a suitcase or a trunk and, and, and carry on. There was a procedure to all of this. So here is Aaron and his sons. And I doubt, and there's no doubt in my mind that, that by the journey's end, they had this down to a science. They knew exactly what cloth to go wear and, and exactly what fits best. And then when all of these vessels were packed and prepared, uh, each sacred item was fitted, again, was fitted with staves. And then the Kohathites carried the pieces of the furniture on their shoulders. That was the will of God. It was important that the furnishings be covered, not just carried, but to be covered because there was always the possibility that an inquisitive Levite may try to look at them, and if they were to do that, they were going to suffer the same judgment that Yuza would have suffered as he touched them because they were not to touch them or to look upon them. And so here was the plan. Aaron's son, Eleazar, was in charge of the work of the Kohathites. And uh, you can find that in chapter 3. And, and, and it was also his task to carry the oil for the lampstand. He was also tasked with carrying the incense for the golden altar. He carried the flour for the daily meal and the, and the holy anointing oil. And so it's interesting to see that in this passage of scripture that the Gershonites and the, uh, the Marites, they, uh, they also were responsible for moving certain things. And they were responsible for transporting certain things. But when you read about them, the Bible says that, that they had wagons. They had wagons to carry their burden, but the Kohathites had none. Watch this, Numbers in 7 and 9. The Bible says, but unto the sons of Kohath, he gave none. He had previously been talking about the wagons of the Gershonites. And, 
He gave none. He said, because of the service of the sanctuary belonging unto them was that they should bear it upon their shoulders. So you've got two groups of people. You've got, and they're all doing the same thing, essentially. Some, uh, we're all trying to get the ark, or we're all trying to get the temple, the work of God forward. We're trying to move the work of God forward. I'm gonna try to stay in the Old Testament and I'm just gonna step into the 22nd, the 21st century a time or two here. Is that all right? Amen. We're all trying to get the work of God forward. And so each of us are carrying something. Each are tasked to carry something. And so you've got some that are carrying their burdens on wagons. Uh, well, it just only makes sense that the burden of, of those groups of people would not even weigh nearly what uh, literally or, or, or theoretically would not weigh uh, what it would for those that are carrying things on their shoulders. He meant to Kohath, he gave none. The sacred furniture of the temple, that had to be borne on the shoulders, but not just any shoulders. It was carried on the shoulders of sanctified servants of God. Amen. My wife, a number of months ago, was talking about, and I've repeated it here and other places, about how that God, all the uncertainty that's in our world, but God trusted this generation. He trusted us with this. Amen. He trusted us to be alive today, so he must figure we can handle this. He must figure that we can stand this. Amen. And so here are these, uh, these sanctified servants of God, the Kohathites. If I could just say it this way, maybe a phrase that we can relate to. The Kohathites were burden bearers. In, in the most absolute sense, they were burden bearers, but their burdens were precious. What they were carrying was priceless. They were very important to the process and they themselves were appointed of God. Amen. Now, you shouldn't feel, I shouldn't feel sorry for them because they considered it a privilege to carry the sacred furnishings of the tabernacle on their shoulders through this, tab, through this wilderness journey. Amen. I think this is an interesting story and, and uh, just for a few minutes, I wanna talk about where these Kohathites come from. I wanna talk about how we get to this place in scripture. And to do so, we have to go back, uh, we have to go to the book of Numbers in chapter 16. And it's here that we're introduced to a man by the name of Korah. Now that's a familiar name to some of you that are sitting here, a man by the name of Korah. In this passage, Korah gathers 250 men and, and they come to Moses and they challenge Moses and Aaron. They withstand him, amen. They withstand their leader and they challenge them concerning uh, the choosing of the Levites to carry, the, to carry out the holy duties of the Lord. Well, we don't agree with that decision and we don't, we don't really want them to do that and, and we don't think this and we don't think that and, and uh, this happened during the years that Israel had wandered in the wilderness. So what we have to understand is that when Korah rose up against Moses, he wasn't just rising up against Moses because Moses was doing what the Lord told him to do. Moses is not out here on his own making up rules day by day and you know, walking around with a giant eraser in his front pocket and changing things every time the wind shifted. Amen. So he didn't just question Moses' decision, but he's questioning God's decision. And so if you read this story, you'll remember 
the end result of their rebellion. And that end result was that the earth opened up and it swallowed Korah and it swallowed others named Dathan and Abiram and their families and, and fire from heaven comes down. This is a horrific passage of scripture and consumes 250 Baal, uh, uh, rebels that had followed Korah and questioning God themselves. Now, in our modern mindset, in our way of thinking, we're thinking, wow, hey, that's good. hold up. That seems like a pretty harsh judgment. I mean, what in the world is going on? We may find this passage a little distasteful and disturbing. And so why, why does God allow the earth to swallow them alive? But as the passage of number 16 indicates, Korah's rebellion goes beyond just grumbling about a Levitical law. This is not just murmuring against something that was written down. He was questioning those whom God had placed in leadership over them. And so Korah rebels not only against Moses, I said a moment ago, but he was rebelling against God because what Korah was really trying to say is if you just let me handle it, I could do a much better job with this. I don't know who you got in charge here, but Lord, if you'll just let me handle it, I believe that I could do a much better job. And as a result, Korah failed the test and even became a negative example, a warning, if you please, that we find in the book of Jude, verse 11. The Bible says, Woe unto them, for they are gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in gainsaying, perished in the gainsaying of Korah, C-O-R-E, a different spelling, but it's the same man, Korah of Numbers. And so he said, warning, a warning here, woe, woe to them. And Jude is using three Old Testament examples. Amen, you, get, you, you need to, don't go the way of Cain and, and don't go the way of Balaam and don't go the way of Korah. Amen, it was a warning to those that follow false leaders. It was a warning to those that were following false prophets. It was a warning to those that were not following those that had been appointed by God and would ultimately lead themselves to destruction. Nevertheless, even though Korah and those that stood with him died that day, amen, Korah's lineage continues. Numbers 26 and 11, the Bible says, notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. Now, I don't want to get too distracted here, but it wasn't Korah and everybody under him, but the Bible talks about those that, that stood with him on that day. Amen. Not anybody that was just related to him, but it was those that stood with him. Those were the ones that were judged that day. Amen. Notwithstanding, the scripture says that the children of Korah died not. So who are the children are the sons of Korah. Exodus 6 and 24 lists the names of the three sons of Korah. And they form the tribe of the group that we know as the Korahites. Amen. There's a lot of ites in the Old Testament. They formed, they formed the people known as the Korahites. And so to clarify, amen, the Korahites were Korah's uh, physical children. Amen. But think with me now. Time didn't stop. 
And so they also had children. And so these children had descendants and their successive line seems to go all the way through and we can even find Samuel coming out of that line and beyond. Amen. They appear to be to have somehow separated themselves from the atrocity of number 16. They separated themselves. Somehow they lived long enough. Generations kept coming. I'm sure at first everybody associated them to that horrible event of the earth swallowing and fire coming down and consuming them. But there finally came enough generations that they separated themselves from that and their father's legacy and therefore it is from the sons of Korah that we find at the center of our message today and so here it is what can we learn from this amen what can we learn from this entire story what can we learn from Korah and his descendants I think for one thing we could not find more polar opposite types of people in all the scripture. Korah was given a high position. Amen. He was given authority. He was given a place of honor, but he abused it. Amen. He took it upon himself to question Moses. He took it upon himself to question God himself. However, his descendants serve under the rulers of God that God had placed them under. And they served not only the rulers well, but they served God well. Amen. Hallelujah. There are three powerful takeaways, I think, from this passage of Scripture. And that is this. And it is so important for me on many levels to say this. Amen. I believe that we have to understand that, that sometimes what takes place in our family or sometimes what has taken place in our family, amen, that may be a chapter of our life, but it doesn't have to be the final chapter of our life. Amen. Those things that happen in our life or in our past or maybe even in the past of some of our family, they may have been moments, but praise God, they don't have to be the defining moment of our lives. Amen. And so we got a lot of people at one point that's talking about Korah, the man that rebelled against Moses and the man that challenged Moses and those that he was able to influence and how the earth swallowed them up. But I will tell you that those horrible events that happen sometimes in our families, it doesn't have to continue to wreck another generation and another generation and another generation because somewhere somebody got healed enough in their heart that they gave birth to a Samuel, hallelujah. I'm gonna tell you today that sometimes we're carrying things and we are like the children of Koath, amen. It's wrapped vessels and we don't really know what it is that we're carrying. We just know it's heavy and it's cumbersome. We don't know why and we don't know what. We only know one thing that God said, I trust your shoulders with this, amen. We say, oh, it's so hot. I don't know if I can walk another mile, but then we realize but God said I'll not put more on you than you can bear and the word of the Lord said as thy days so shall thy strength be and so it gives us the ability to stand and stand back up again under the weight sometimes of an unknown burden mm, mm -mm. praise God I, I just trying so hard not to get ahead of myself today Another thing we can learn from this is that going against God has some severe consequences. Korah didn't just simply gather 250 people and calmly talk to Moses about some issues he saw, problems he saw. 
This was a planned rebellion. 250 people don't just show up in one place accidentally. Cora, there, there had been some talk, there had been some chatter, some calendar planning, amen? Uh, this day worked for you, this day works for me. We can be here and we can be here at such and such time. He was clear in what he was saying. Amen. Fulfill our demands or we're gonna or we're gonna take over and we're gonna run everything differently around here. Korah was saying, I don't know about why God did this or why God did that. I don't know why God put you in charge, Moses. And Moses, I don't know why you made this decision or you made that decision. And sadly, Korah and all that he influenced rep begin to reap the reward of that rebellion in an instant. God, I think another thing we can see from this is this, that God can redeem anything or anyone. Amen. I know, I know today that we can sit in certain moments of our life. If we just hit the pause button and we freeze the frame of maybe where you are sitting today or maybe where you have been at some point, if someone had stopped your life and froze that frame right there in that moment, you would have been in right to say, I can't do this. I can't live like this. There's no hope beyond this. Amen. But I think what we need to realize is to reach down and take our finger off the pause button and just let life keep playing out and let God keep being God because God can redeem anything and God can redeem anyone. Hallelujah. We've seen impossible situations that God just got a hold of it and he just turned it around. Maybe it didn't turn around in a moment. Maybe it wasn't one sermon. Maybe it wasn't one song. Maybe it wasn't just one revival or one meeting or one conference but we just put our hand in God's hand and said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm, I'm carrying something that I don't even know what it is. It's been wrapped up. It's been covered up. Amen. Aaron and his sons, they went in ahead of me. They, they packed up all the furniture. They are the ones that wrapped it all up. They just come told me, you come carry this. I don't even know why I'm carrying it. I don't even know what I'm carrying. I don't know what I did to deserve this. Hallelujah. I'm telling you today that sometimes we are carrying an unknown burden. We don't know why and we don't know when and we don't know where but I'm going to tell you God is not going to let anybody do something for nothing. God is not in the business of trying to destroy. God is in the business of giving back. God is in the business of restoring. God is in the business of giving new life and fresh breath. Yes he is. Jesus said in Luke 12 and 48, for unto whomsoever much is given of him much, of him shall much be required. Korah was given a high position in leadership and he abused it because he questioned God's decisions. However, his descendants were given, amen, they were given some gifts that no one saw coming. If you just see old Grandpa Korah out there wagging his old bony finger and his rebellious tongue against Moses, you would think, well, everybody in that family 
family's going to be like that. You think there's no be, there won't be any hope for anybody in that family, but I'm going to tell you that's not going to be how it always is because his descendants were given musical talents and they were given other gifts and the beauty of it all is found in this, that whatever God gave them, they gave it back to God. Amen. When God gave them the ability to write music, they wrote songs unto the Lord. When God gave them the ability to write songs, amen, they weren't singing about honky-tonking and all. They were singing about the praises of a good God. I'm going to tell you that you can stop the madness in your home and you can stop the madness in your family and it doesn't matter how many generations have been addicted to alcohol, how many generations have been in the drugs. It won't matter how many generations haven't graduated from school. It won't matter how many generations have never had a solid marriage. I'm going to tell you that God can take something and he can turn it all around if we just have confidence that he will give us the ability to carry this unknown burden, this unknown burden. My, 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 my. Not only did they give it back to God, they gave it back with dignity and they gave it back with humility. Oh, they could have grown bitter. <laughs> yes, they could. Oh, they could have grown bitter when they looked around them and their doctor and the blisters and the calluses on their muscles and they see somebody else coming by. They got all, they're carrying on a wagon. Amen, they're, not, they're just whistling and carrying on. Amen, they're sipping on their water as they go and they can say, why? Why? I mean, we're all in this together. We're trying to move the same temple to the same place. We're all living for the same God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying here today. Amen, if you're not careful, you can look around in the church Amen. The local church or the church at large, and you can say, I don't understand. We're all just trying to get to heaven. We're all just trying to go to the same place. I've got such a heavy burden. I don't know why. And then you see another family, they just come along. I mean, all their kids are serving God. They've got talent and music and ability, and they've got this and they've got that. I don't understand it, Lord. I don't understand it, Lord. I'm carrying an unknown burden. What did I do to deserve this? What did I do to do to earn this? Is there sin in my life? Did I make a bad decision somewhere? No. Amen. If you'll just keep your heart right, if you'll keep your spirit right, amen, I can't promise you what the outcome of your family will be, but I can promise you what the outcome of God will be. I can tell you that God is faithful and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Oh, my, my. Oh, I thought he wasn't a respecter of persons. I thought that he treated everyone equal. But here we are struggling. Here we are bowing. Amen. And there, after a while, they just hear the roll of the wagon wheels go into the future. But somehow they realize something. They realize, Brother Williams, God trusted me with this. God trusted me. God trusted me with this. They kept their heads down. They kept their heads down and they kept their hearts right. 
And the Lord gave them in return a song. <laughs> Songs that made their way through those hot, grueling days. Days when they thought they were going to buckle under the load. God was going to give them something that won't just bless you. Amen. Amen. Somebody help me here. I know that I've not ever been in the military, but I've seen military marches and they march along singing songs like, oh, say it again. A cadence, yeah. This wasn't just a, a song that would become a cadence for the moment. This wasn't a song that would become a cadence to help them to get through just this one little march. Amen. Maybe it was a song that blessed them in that moment. Amen. But if you think for just a second that it was going to end or begin and end right there, no. No. Generations after them are going to be blessed. And that's why we see some of their songs show up in the book we call Psalms. And so when you read Psalms, Psalms 42 and you read Psalms 44 and 45, 6, 7, 8, 9 and when you read Psalms 84 and 85 and when you read Psalms 87 and when you turn to Psalms 88, amen, there's gonna be a heading in your Bible. Amen, there's gonna be a heading in your Bible. This is a song from the sons of Korah. Hallelujah. Where were they when they wrote those songs? Hey, they wasn't on a pinnacle. Hey, where were they when they penned these words? Hey, they weren't sitting in the cool of the day drinking a pina colada no amen they were under the burden of something they didn't even understand they didn't know what was in the cart they didn't know what was in the wagon they were carrying an unknown burden but they just kept marching and God put a song in their heart and here we are in 2023 and we're still magnifying and we're still reading those songs and we're still singing them Amen. I'm going to ask our musicians to come, but don't mistake this for anything. Amen. What you're carrying today may remain a mystery to you. That cart this morning, that before you could even make your way to this house, you had to walk back up and pull those staves up to your shoulder. Get them in. That was necessary for you to even walk in this building today. Why? Why, God? Why, Lord? I, hey, remember, 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 remember that Aaron and his sons, they went in first and they wrapped it all up. Aaron and his sons went in ahead of time. They covered it all up, not just with one layer, but with another layer and another layer because nobody could look on it. Nobody could see. And so when they got it all packed, they didn't know if they were carrying the vessels. They didn't know if they were carrying this. They didn't know what piece of furniture they were carrying. They just knew they were under an unknown burden. They were walking with something that was rubbing blisters on their shoulders and in their spirit. Amen. It was wrapped in a covering, covering that prevented them and sometimes the covering what we're carrying is wrapped in something that prevents it making any sense to us. I don't understand. We're not trying to charge God. We're not trying to shake our fist at heaven. 
Listen, we're not trying to be a Korah, but I'm gonna tell you that sometimes that what we're carrying is wrapped and it prevents us from not only being able to see it, but sometimes we can't even make sense of it. Amen, why am I feeling this incredible weight? Amen, but amen, the real question that demands an answer is not what uh, are we carrying. Amen, the real question is how are we gonna carry it? Amen, the real question is not what we're carrying. The question is how are we gonna carry it? I'm gonna tell you, I believe there were some Kohathites that when those wagons went rattling by, they said, hey, y'all have a good day. Amen, y'all gonna get there ahead of us, but we'll be on. Don't you worry about it. Hey, you all get everything set up now. Hey, tell so-and-so hello when you get there. I know you're gonna be ahead of us because what you're carrying is just on a wagon and what we're carrying is gnawing into our shoulders, but you can count on one thing. Amen, when it comes time to set up the temple, there's gonna be an Ark of the Covenant there. There's gonna be an altar of incense there. Amen, you can count on it. We're not gonna get mad and we're not gonna get weary. We're not gonna sell this along the way. You can count on it. Amen, when we all get back together, it's all gonna come together. Hallelujah. I'm gonna keep my heart right. I'm gonna keep my spirit right. I'm gonna keep my soul pure. Amen. Praise God. And so the question is, can we walk without bitterness? Can we carry without complaint? If we can bear up without charging God for our sorrow, if we can do what God, what God through Isaiah admonished us to do, let's stand. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.